0: Hey, all right. All right. All right. All right. Ready for the next episode of Heal Thyself. Thank you for joining. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. Thank you for supporting. I see every single one of those mentions, those reposts, all the love. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day and spreading the show because the show is really catching fire. And again, I'm very grateful for all of that. Today's show, ooh, we have such a good guest. I jump right to the guest. I'm, I'm just going to give you the name, Dr. Carrie Jones. I can't wait for her to go over hormones. She is the hormone guru in the United States. She is on fire with her knowledge, and she's going to drop every single one of those gems for us. Before that, I'm going to be talking some uh, some important knowledge bomb stuff, and uh, yeah, overall the show is going to be as good as ever. Anyway, let's get right to the knowledge bomb. All right, today's knowledge bomb from popular popular inquiries over and over. I was getting, please talk about breast implants, Doctor G. Okay, let's talk about breast implants. Breast augmentation, it's popular, it's growing. It's actually been growing a lot since the 2000s. Most frequently performed cosmetic procedure in the United States. Last year, there were over 313,000 procedures done, according to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. 48% increase over 2,000s, which was really surprising when I saw that statistic. Um, But a quarter of those are from reconstructive surgeries. Um, Different types of implants with uh, different characters. There's a saline one, which are sort of like the old school ones. They're f- sterile water in an implant, and they are at risk for popping. That's the big thing, that they, they can not pop, but the water is reabsorbed in the body. Um, there's structured saline ones, which are similar, but they have a structure within them. Silicone implants, which are um, the silicone gel, which is said to be inert. Um, they feel more like breast tissue. Uh, they can also leak silicone as well. Um, and then there's a the gummy bear ones, which have the consistency of the silicone one, but it's thicker than the more traditional older silicone implant. Um, and they're more firmer and have a more natural field. And then there's the natural shape, uh, ones, which are the smooth and the round ones. Uh, those are, I think, I think newer ones, but they, they give the, uh, breast more of a full and, uh, and a smooth texture. The textured implants, this is the one that has become uh, under a lot of scrutiny, particularly because within those textured implants, they can develop scar tissue where the implant is fixed. And that scar tissue, that area is most at risk for a very specific, rare, but very specific type of lymphoma. And that's one of the huge issues now that is coming about breast implants and which why I'm talking about it. Um, so breast implant associated lymphoma, it's, it's BIAALCL. ALCL. Uh, it's not breast cancer okay? Not breast cancer, even though it's in the breast, not breast cancer. It's an immunological cancer. It's lymphoma, particularly non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And most are found in the area of the scar tissue or the fluid near the implant, okay? But it also can be systemic throughout the body. The risk is low, but the cancer can be very aggressive. So the FDA estimates that it could be one in 3,000 folks or one in 3,817 to be specific folks or females uh, or males and uh, or one in 30,000. So the first signs that you get uh, usually are swelling near the implant, Um, but it's really really something that has been blowing up right now in the news because the issue is, is that this show is about informed consent, right? Like the education is put forth so you all can have informed consent. Well, the FDA is actually doing something really good for once, the FDA is putting out urgent warnings that these manufacturers of breast implants have a black box warning for informed consent talking about these risks, particularly the risk for rare but very aggressive type of cancer. The textured implant has the highest risk. Back in September, the the FDA actually requested that the allergen pharmaceutical recall their biocell textured implants due to the risk for this cancer. And you might remember if you had breast implants, this recall come forth and you might have had a scare. If you didn't, hear of this recall, I would recommend that you call your surgeon or the group where you got your implant done and find out if it fell under this company's textured implants. All right, so the risks for breast implants are the same. Uh, and there's the anesthesia risk. There's always a short and long-term risk. You have to be clear on what the risks are. So make sure that your practitioner is very much so clear and giving you informed consent about it. Bleeding, bruising, pain, obviously, but some folks have persistent pain, persistent numbness. There's a risk for scarring, fluid accumulation, changes in the nipple sensation. Um, The implants can rupture. It's not a lifetime thing, You can have something called capsular contracture where the scar tissue forms and it creates uh, a really tight capsule around the breast implant and it can change the uh, the appearance. This should all be put forth by the whole group or the surgeon or the nurse practitioner, whoever it is. So you have your informed consent before you make the decision. Now, there will be more informed consent uh, because hopefully the FDA's black box warning comes forth on all breast implants. So you have to know, It's not made for a lifetime. There's changes in the hormone in the body that can affect the shape and the size of the uh, breast implant. Uh, Know that there is lack of informed consent on breast implants. Uh, The other day, a family member sent me uh, the article, actually it was this week, an article by Huffington Post that I I looked at, uh, and it had a really nice summary of what's been going on. So this week, the FDA uh, that's when they started drafting, uh, or putting together draft guidance. The draft guidance is basically what their current thinking is on breast implants. Um, and what they were suggesting, again, as I mentioned, was a black box warning. Black box warning is when there's reasonable evidence associated with serious hazards. Usually you see this is on drugs. It's the most stringent and serious warning that the FDA puts out. So why? It's to inform people the possible risk that that it's connected to breast implants, uh, including, like I said, rare cancers, additional surgeries down the line. Again, they're not made for a lifetime. And I think some people are under the impression that they are. Um, and there's increased risk of complications long-term. So the longer you have them, the more at risk you are for these complications. Remember that. And there's, there's women I know who's had breast implants in high school. So we have to really uh, stay on top of Uh, The literature out there, what what's in the news about breast implants? Because, and I will go into a little bit about uh, breast implant illness a little bit more. But again, the FDA does not agree uh, with the lack of informed consent. And like I said, it's good to see they're doing something right overall. Um, What they are also suggesting is that each patient, before they get an implant, have a patient checklist with all the information about the potential risks. So people can make a proper risk benefit analysis before choosing to do something uh, this major. So again, informed consent, informed consent, informed consent. So that draft guidance was put together by the FDA as a result of testimony from hundreds and hundreds of women who were talking about their experiences with breast implants and how they suffered and how they've gotten really sick. And there was a whole spectrum of generalized symptoms all the way to the lymphoma. They've also had thousands of complaints from women suffering from breast implant illness. I'm going to go into breast implant illness. But um, there's a quote in that article by Dr. Oren Lerman. He's a director of aesthetic and reconstructive breast surgery uh, at New York's Lenox Hill Hill Hospital, where I was born. Uh, He told USA, USA Today that breast implant illness is a widespread problem, but one that continues to baffle physicians. We absolutely need to learn More information on that. Listen, Dr. Lerman, this is not baffling. It's a foreign substance in the body with foreign materials. And what's happening is you're developing an immunological reaction with low or high grade, local or systemic inflammation as a result. And that's manifesting as a multitude of generalized symptoms that seem uh, seemingly unrelated. And this is what we call breast implant illness. It's not rocket science. It's what happens when you put a foreign substance in the body, Um, again, not baffling. So according to the FDA, up to 20% of implants Patients who have implants uh, have, have them removed within six to 10 years because of complications. So breast implant illness, as I mentioned, is not an official diagnosis, not in the medical community. It's not really recognized like that. But it's an illness that women who self-identify with the symptoms and present with a multitude of symptoms, as I mentioned, they could be various. But according to surgery.org, who spoke a little bit about breast implant illness, uh, these symptoms are including, but not limited to, fatigue, chest pain. Hair loss, headaches, chills, photosensitivity, chronic pain, rash, body odor, anxiety, brain fog, sleep disturbance, depression, neurological issues, and hormonal issues that are that they feel are directly connected to the saline or silicone textured or smooth breast implant. This is what is the epitome of what we see in breast implant illness. Someone who comes in and has these rare this rare picture of symptoms a rare checklist right headache okay headache can be a thousand things chills that could be 900 things right brain fog anxiety depression but what the amazing thing is and i've seen this in clinical practice is that the women who have these the onset of these symptoms who are really good historians go back and say you know what doc these symptoms began right when I got my breast implants or shortly thereafter. And if they're a good historian, they start putting together the puzzle. And when they put together the puzzle, it shows me that possibly, possibly what we're seeing is this abstract picture of symptoms called breast implant illness. What I've also seen is women who do remove their breast implants have regression of all of their symptoms. I've actually seen a woman remove her breast implants and lose 20 to 30 pounds of straight up inflammation. As I talked about local and systemic inflammation that Dr. Oren Lerman couldn't put his finger on. This is what I'm trying to get at. So if you do have if you if you look back and and think about when you got your breast implants if you got if you got a slew of symptoms coming in slowly or like a tidal wave, then think back, be a historian, start writing stuff out, put together the picture, and then start exploring what your options are. As far as the literature, there's very little that we can hang on to about what breast implant illness is. right? Most of the literature out there actually says, conversely speaking, the breast implants are safe, not harmful, okay? Uh, So that's what the medical community goes by. Rightly so, right? This is what the studies say. But here's what I say about studies, right? Studies are a guide, period. They're a guide. They're not Bible, they're not religion. They are a guide because certainly it's never a be all, end all. Why? Because human experience is the truth. Human experience is the truth. No study, no study can ever encapsulate the complexity of the human body, the changes moment to moment, the variables, the infinite number of variables that we have that affect our health. So what do I pay closest attention to? Even, even before the studies, what do I pay closest attention to is what the person is telling me what their experience is. That, my friends, is the most important way to do medicine. Your studies are your guide, your studies are our foundation, but when someone comes up to you and says Something that contradicts what you believe is in the study, you better start listening to the person because that person knows their body way more than us practitioners will ever understand. And I want you to remember, when you have a picture this rare or this unusual and you can't put your finger on it, it usually takes years and years and years before any leeway comes in the literature to really have a hold and a grasp on what breast implant illness is. So remember, your symptoms, you taking note on the progression of them, you being an excellent historian about your health before and after breast implants is the best, best literature that we can use as practitioners. So I wanna leave you with a resource, The Naked Truth About Breast Implants, From Harm to Healing. This is by Dr. Susan Kolb. Uh, This is a plastic and reconstructive surgeon who is shedding light on breast implants. So a really good resource from a credible author. Uh, And then there's healingbreastimplantillness.com. That's for you. If you are going to entertain explant removal, you will be able to find explant surgeons on there who do the proper procedure, right? Because you want to remove the capsule with the breast implant rather than just leaving the capsule in there. The capsule can be the source of inflammation. So, um, yeah, make sure you, if you find someone on there, you have a really in-depth conversation, do your research, right? This is, this, this, podcast is just a guide as research for you to look further and dig deeper into what the full picture is. But I really hope that if you do have breast implants and any of this resonates with you, now you have some leeway, leeway and understanding on where to go, some guidance. So there you go. Look, breast implants, all the information you need. I'll put some links on the, um, when the podcast comes out, I'll put some links on the bottom, uh, where to look for more research resources. And I really hope that was helpful. So I can't wait. I cannot wait to get Carrie Jones on here. So not another second is wasted. Let's get her on here. Let's talk about hormones, hormones, hormones. Let's set this podcast on fire. Hey, all right, everyone. Today's special guest I have been waiting for since day one. Finally, she came out from Portland. She is here. She is a naturopathic doctor. She is a hormone savant. She's an international speaker. She's the medical director of Dutch. I can't be more hype. Dr. Carrie Jones, thank you for joining.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. When yeah. I knew I was coming to L.A., I was like... We have to make this happen. Yeah. We have to make this happen. But how
0: long have I been asking you to come on the show? Since
1: day one. Since you told me this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Since this was inception. So yeah. We were like I have a buddy.
0: Yeah. And we I'm not the podcast. only one who's excited because, you know, I put, I put you up on Instagram. I mm-hmm. said, she's going to join the show. Yeah. There were so many people who were wanting to come actually <laughs> see you in person, hanging out in the background and hear you talk because, yeah. uh, they see what you do and what you do is incredible. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. And you've tapped into an audience of huge part women and Mm -hmm. men also.
1: Yeah. Because hormones affect men. A lot of the stuff I talk about, estrogen detox, cortisol, like men are like, yep, I have that too. I have that issue.
0: Yeah. And I I, I think that sometimes we overlook it as men, right? And we think that women are the ones with who are hormonal. Hormonal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Women have the hormonal acne, but man, for us men, and you know, working, me working oncology, like this is something we look for like early on. Yeah preventatively yep. um, man. So yep. you, so, so, so you work for, I want to talk about Dutch first because this is a test that I pretty much do when everyone walks in the door. You, okay. We want to see, it's like a yearly physical exam for me. <laughs> you got to do the Dutch part of it. Yeah. Um, men and
1: women, men, men and, and women. women. Mm-hmm.
0: One thing that I always get is, well, why is it different from the blood test? Oh, right. Um, and what do you say to that?
1: So um, well, for one, it's a dried urine test. Mm-hmm. So Dutch stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. And so, Uh, men and women urinate on these pieces of filter paper four times during the day, let them dry, mail them back to the lab. So it's super easy people who don't like blood draws, it's great. But because it's a urine test, you get all the pathways. So you get your estrogen, but you get where estrogen goes. You get your testosterone, but you get where testosterone goes. You get your cortisol, your cortisol production, cortisone, which is inactive. Mm -hmm. And so when you get your blood drawn, as a guy, you might get testosterone, and it's normal, but you can't figure out why you have prostate issues, and why you're having male pattern baldness, and why you have acne. Same for girls. You get a testosterone drawn, and you're like, but I have all these symptoms. I'm like rageful and I'm losing my hair and I have acne on my jawline. What is going on? I'm like, oh, you go down the pathway that encourages that. So Mm -hmm. let's work to get you off the pathway, but you're not gonna see that in a blood draw. You will see it in a urine test.
0: Yeah, and I've had patients that go, oh no, I just got my hormone test. It says I'm fine. Yeah, but they don't feel fine. Yeah. They feel terrible. Yeah, I'm like, but you have cysts in your breast. Yeah. There's a reason, why don't we check? Because that's not the be all end all. Right. And that's the best part of the test. It illustrates those pathways, which are pretty incredible because you see the underlying stuff that's going on or yeah. overactive enzymes, we'll say. Yeah. Um, so what what role does it play in in cancer prevention? Like, it, oh, huge. Huge, correct? Yeah,
1: huge. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into cancer, of yeah. course. This mm-hmm. is just a part of it. Um, but when we're specifically looking at estrogen and estrogen detoxification, there are three... Uh, levels, I would say, to detoxification. So there's a, or phases, phase one, phase two, and phase three. So in urine testing and Dutch testing, we look at one and two. And so it gives you a pretty big, um, look so that you can lower your risk mm-hmm. uh, and it, not even just cancer, but everything estrogen mm-hmm. related, right? Mm-hmm. So women who have PMS and heavy periods and, you know, cysts in their breasts, men who are over converting too much testosterone and estrogen, and then the estrogen can't detoxify out. So they're getting man boobs and they're getting, you know, abdominal fat gain and yeah. they've got erectile dysfunction and they're depressed. It's all because they can't clear it out of this estrogen Detoxification pathways—it's yeah. so important.
0: Yeah, and and again, that you see it illustrated yep. step by step how it's breaking down, and then the best part—I love this part—is the the little pie graph <laughs> yeah. next to the estrogen. <laughs> and then I go, I show the patients, I go, look, look, look where you're dominant, and mm-hmm. I I tend to say like three roads, mm-hmm. and where your where most of the cars are going down, yeah, yep. and, and some of the roads have like potholes and glass, and then some are some are a little smoother than the other. But to paint that illustration, to know that like, can we can we manipulate where that estrogen yes. pathway goes? Do yeah. we have the power to do that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. People think it's very difficult or it's going to require some big expensive medication and a lot of lifestyle and, and supplements, dietary choices can make a huge um, impact on the road itself. And then on which road you're going to choose, which yeah. is so nice.
0: Yeah. 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 and And the, just literally changing your diet or adding in foods, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep.
1: Or eliminating things like you know alcohol, mm-hmm. <laughs> or reducing reducing toxins, toxicants. You know, reading labels. Mm-hmm. All those things um, will redirect your road and affect your detox.
0: So let's go into that. Let's go yeah. into some hormone disruptors. What what are things that. Why are hormones so messed
1: up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I need why to know this. Why are hormones
1: so messed up? Yeah,
0: what are the? Why was it like this in the 70s, in the 80s, and 90s, or has it really been think, on the up?
1: I I feel like it's just definitely on the up. Mm-hmm. And now it, it could have been, it could have been as big back then. We just weren't tracking it like we track now. You know, mm-hmm. like the data is now so in our face, we can't ignore it. We have to look at how many women have hormonal issues. Fertility issues, PMS issues, men with all the hormonal issues, little kids with hormonal issues that should not be having hormonal issues. Mm -hmm. um, That just seems to really be so explosive now. And I think a lot of it, unfortunately, has to do with our environment. Mm. I just think it's just we it encourages the production. Some of the some of the chemicals encourage the production of our own estrogen to be made. Some of them get in the way of our detoxification and some of them mimic our own hormones. And so even though if your body's like, no, no, I'm good. I don't need to make any more estradiol today, which mm-hmm. is an estrogen. Um, you maybe have been using a lot of plastic or you've been using skincare or cleaning care that looks like estrogens. And they're like, well, we don't care. We'll bind to the receptor. Yeah. We'll turn the receptor on and do mm-hmm. all the things you don't like. Mm-hmm. No problem.
0: Overstimulation, kind of just pushing that yeah. forward. Yeah. And, so you're, and on this show, I t- literally talk about environmental stuff all the I time, because <laughs> I love it. But so plastics, major, 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 major right? Yes. We yeah. all should actually, actually start making moves away from plastic water. Water bottles right right into stainless <laughs> steel
1: right, right? we talk about that in the car, on the way about over. The car yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely i mean these yeah. are sub- to, to even just microwaving in in plastic you know we think of it as a no-brainer like don't microwave in plastic and don't heat things up in plastic um even just you know when you go to the coffee shop and you get it to go and they put the plastic container on top and then you sip your hot coffee or your Do hot it. tea through it mm-hmm. um it's like now you have heat coming through plastic and mm-hmm. that's when i learned that or, i mean when i somebody pointed it out to me a couple years ago I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. Oh, I do that all the time. Here Mm -hmm. I am. Not, I use the stainless steel water bottle most of the time and I don't heat in plastic. I have all glass at my house. Um, uh, totally. When I get to go, I was using the plastic cup, the plastic topper. And now I don't, I mean, I just take it off.
0: We don't think about that. And, and I thought I was extra smart a few years ago when I was (laughs) like obsessed with these matcha lattes in the cafe next door. Uh And I told him not to put the plastic top on, but, Oh, also the lining the liner. of the cup yeah. was styrene, um, um, phthalates, BPA. So, yep. it, and it came up, I actually took a test. And I have one to like,
1: take. It's sitting in my bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't I, done it yet.
0: Yeah. I, that's my yeah. yearly test coming up. But I think it's pretty incredible that it's everywhere, mm-hmm. but- like making informed decisions can be pretty easy like all right we have these storage containers that we use they're all plastic we put some hot pasta in there and put them in the refrigerator why not get glass ones right right? just start switching yeah Yeah. water water they're all missing
1: their lids anyway so like just (laughs) like just don't you know chuck them donate them and just go to glass (laughs) it's so funny you
0: say that because i made like fingerling potatoes yesterday and Uh I was looking for the lid and literally it was like a square one and I was trying to put circle ones, triangle ones. <laughs> and I was like, where is this lid? See? How is it like a sock? In the, I, I was just
1: going to say, it's like the sock in the dryer. Yeah. I, I don't
0: understand who takes what bandit at night. They go together. Lids?
1: They're clearly dating yeah. and they've run off. They run right? off. Yeah.
0: So, okay. All right. And then how about, is, are there foods that disrupt our hormones too? Would well,
1: you say? so with the foods, a lot of it is what's put on the foods, right? The mm. herbicides, the glyphosate, the, the sprays, mm-hmm. the fungicides that mm-hmm. are put on there, um, will absolutely affect one, how we make estrogen and then two, how we detoxify estrogen in, in particular, mm-hmm. for sure. So, um... We just have to be really careful, and, and we often talk about the environmental working group and their what yeah. foods you should do organic, and yeah. you know what foods are maybe safer. Um, and I'm constantly pointing that out to women, like, hey, look, I, I'm so glad you're doing fruits and vegetables, that's amazing. Except you're doing conventional strawberries, you yeah. know, like just ridiculously toxic. Yeah. Like You're doing conventional blueberries in your smoothie. Why don't we move to organic? Yeah, like, yay, <laughs> yay for fiber and flavonoids yeah. and all those things, but. Next step. Like I don't want you to have all that toxic yeah. in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: How about how about alcohol? Is it a, is it oh, really that bad yes. for hormones?
1: It is really that bad for hormones. Oh, and that's when everyone tries to negotiate with me. Yeah. Yeah. Because think about it when you when you make when you when you're when you're trying to detoxify um, estrogen. It's like going down the road, just like you say, right? Or my analogy is always a clawfoot bathtub, and it has to be clawfoot because. Oh, yeah, you said that AMP, I remember. Right, yeah. I'm, that I'm was extra. Really good. You are extra. So the water coming in your clawfoot bathtub is your phase one detox. The drain, the ability to get out of your bathtub, is phase two. And then the ability to get out of your house through the sewer line which is your colon is phase three. Mm -hmm. So one, two and three have to be totally open. Now, if you are, if your water is on full of estrogen and now you add in a whole bunch of alcohol, alcohol has to go down the same drain. Mm. So it's going to compete with the estrogen and oftentimes wins, estrogen goes back in circulation so alcohol can go through. So what happens is people, women, men will often have these high estrogen type symptoms because they're drinking a glass of wine every night, mm-hmm. or you know, a bourbon on the rocks every night, or a couple beers here and there, and often—not even here and there, but pretty often—it's pretty common, and um, and they become hormonally symptomatic.
0: That's which amazing, is yeah. A problem,
1: and and like I was saying, everyone and, and I'm, I I have the occasional drink. I'm not alcohol free, um, but it's pretty rare, and I'm pretty specific about what I drink or when or what I'm celebrating. But people will negotiate their alcohol with me all the time. People will be like, oh, but I drink tequila Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's less sugar. It doesn't affect my, you know, my, if I'm the people who are doing continuous glucose monitoring, it doesn't affect that. I'm like, still tequila, Mm -hmm. still mezcal. Like it's still (laughs) has to get detoxed or they'll say, um, oh, I only do the small batch wine that's, um, you know, local, that's, biodynamic. Bio, thank you, biodynamic, and there's sulfate-free, and it's all organic, and all this stuff, and I'm like, fantastic, highly recommend it, same here, still alcohol, yeah. like, you still, if you have, you know, if you and your girlfriend, boyfriend split a bottle of wine, like, you still gotta detox it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: so true, so yeah. kind of like picking and choosing, instead of making it a routine. Routine,
1: and, and justifying, like, oh, I have a glass of wine every night, I'll just switch to the biodynamic wine, and I'm fine, I'm yeah. like, well, you're, You've eliminated a lot of the toxins, which is fantastic. And you've addressed a lot of the sugar issues, which is fantastic, but you still have a detox issue. And if you are hormonally challenged, maybe until we unchallenge you, lay off the alcohol.
0: Okay, so alcohol-wise, it's not. Is there one in particular, or are they all pretty much still they're all messing up that phase yeah, one. It's,
1: they're all pretty much messing up the phase one. Ah, yes, really. No, really there's different. If you were to ask me, like, well, what's the best for blood sugar, right? Like, yeah, people, a lot of people story. they often go for tequila. If you're asking, um, well, I like wine. I'm look like biodynamic, low mm-hmm. sulfate, you mm-hmm. know, low sugar. Organic, not sprayed.
0: All the other factors, right? But
1: that's a different category. If you're asking me what what will the liver, what does the liver like best? I'm like water. It likes water. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Sorry. laughs>
0: it, it doesn't like any of those. Yes. It likes yes. water. Yeah. So so the phase one is the way that the liver is detoxifying.
1: What it's the water coming into water your bathtub. In. So mm-hmm. you have three options. So you have two water, mm-hmm. you have four water, and you have sixteen water. So mm-hmm. two, four, and sixteen. Those are essentially your road options in your in your analogy. Mm-hmm. 2 is considered the less carcinogenic. It can still be carcinogenic, it's just less so. Mm -hmm. Your 4 is considered more carcinogenic. It's more likely, if you go down that road a lot, that you can have DNA damage. We don't want DNA damage. Mm -hmm. 16 is considered proliferative, so it makes things grow. Good for the bones. Bad for the boobs, mm-hmm. bad for the lining of the uterus. So mm-hmm. if somebody has a lot of 16, they're often like, I have full tender breasts at PMS. My periods are heavy. heavy I have a yeah. lot of clots. Um, and so we're trying to we're trying to shift that more to the two water. Mm-hmm. Then once the water is in there, I want your drain open. That's phase two. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you it goes through something called methylation. Mm-hmm. Everyone always talks about MTHFR, right? The dreaded MTHFR disease that you're going to die from because yeah. they've done their SNP test and yeah. they're positive MTHFR. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna you're not going to die. I have MTHFR, yeah. Right, you're <laughs> not going to die. It's actually not MTHFR that does play a role. It's actually COMT, mm-hmm. COMT is the bigger methyl player when it Mm -hmm. comes to estrogen detox.
0: Yeah, and on the Dutch, you'll see the methylation step. Totally. On the Dutch,
1: you see the step. You can see if you're methylating estrogen Mm -hmm. or not. So that's your drain. And what that does is it takes your two and your four and neutralizes it. Mm -hmm. So you switch over into a neutral state. Mm -hmm. When you're a two and a four um, in phase one, you're what's called a reactive oxygen species and trust me when you've got hormonal issues you don't want reactive right Mm -hmm. you don't want reactive oxygens going around Mm -hmm. so you got to neutralize them and that's phase two Mm -hmm. which and then once it's neutral now it's water soluble and you can get rid of it
0: now back to those three estrogens yes right the water ones yeah are they all carcinogenic or are is one more carcinogenic the
1: four it's called a four hydroxy Mm -hmm. so four hydroxy estrone or 4-hydroxyestradiol um, and the abbreviation for hydroxy is OH. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if people are reading about it, they'll see 4-OH. Yeah. That's the more carcinogenic one, because if it continues on, if it can't get neutralized, then the risk for DNA damage goes up quite yeah,
0: a bit. Yeah. And on that test, you'll see a red chunk
1: for yes. that 4.
0: And <laughs> usually, like big flag. <laughs> yeah, it should be what, below like 13 yeah. or something. Yeah. 11. Uh, 11. Yeah. I'll see folks, 30%. Yeah. Also, uh, the minute, that's actually the first thing I go to when mm. I look at the Dutch test. Um, Cause I work with a lot of breast cancer yeah. and I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Yeah. Right. So uh, I think it's pretty incredible. So then it goes through the drain mm-hmm. and yep. then the, that this is phase two. Now it's going yep. into, and what, what
1: happens in phase two? So that's the neutralization part. Okay. So you go through methyl. So you're two OH goes through the drain, so basically it goes from an OH to a methyl, a mm-hmm. methoxy, mm-hmm. and that means it's neutral. So now you have this, like, super neutral, water-soluble molecule sitting in the cells, like, ready to be excreted, like a good like a good little molecule, yeah, as opposed to reacting. in phase one, which yeah. is reacting all over the place and yeah. causing problems. So that's when we get into phase two. Now, phase two, let me, actually, let me back up. So people often say, well, what can I do to optimize phase one, right? So... Remember though we teach it as one two three, mm-hmm. but you treat it as three two one. Because mm-hmm. I need your sewer line open. I need your gut, your microbiome, your intestines working, to get it out. Sure. Then I need your drain open, and then I need the right water. Because if I'm just addressing the water, you're still in. But two and three are blocked. You're still going to flood, up, yeah. right? You're still going to flood the bathroom, and that's still a problem. So, but to address phase one, this is when people often do the brassica family of food: mm-hmm. broccoli, cauliflower, uh, broccoli sprouts, kale things like that. Mustard greens. Mm-hmm. Those are all super helpful, helpful for phase one.
0: Yeah. So, so to get it down the drain, to,
1: to get it, to get the right water into the bathtub in the first place, to go down the tube. those foods help yeah. move it, move it appropriately. Right. Right. Especially broccoli sprouts. Broccoli sprouts are one of my favorite. Um, you can grow them yourself. Just mm-hmm. make sure, you know, you can buy them, make sure they're organic. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they, um, really help redirect that four, which is the which is the worst road to be on. Mm-hmm. It's the worst water. Um, it's the most most carcinogenic cancer mm-hmm. causing. And it redirects it back so that it can be, uh, have the chance to be neutralized. Yeah, yeah. So people go, really, just broccoli sprouts? I'm like, Literally. yeah, throw them on your salad, throw them in your soup, add them to your smoothie.
0: That's food medicine. Yeah. I tell people, like, even if we never do the Dutch test, I say, you have a family history of breast cancer. Yep. You got to start yep. getting these guys in here.
1: Yep. Um, Not even just breast cancer, but anything estrogen related, yeah, any, right? Sorry, I have yeah. severe PMS. Yeah. I mean, for sure, cancer, don't get me wrong. But yeah, just I have PMS, my field, but yeah. yeah, I have heavy periods. I have, um, you know, endometriosis. I have cysts, mm-hmm. men who are like, I've got these man boobs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we need to address this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So then, how, is, how important is it to be pooping every day?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very important. Yeah. Very important to be pooping. That's your sewer line.
0: That's a sewer line. Because
1: just like in your house, if you have a block sewer line in your house, what happens? It all comes back up your toilet. Mm -hmm. It all comes back up your sink. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Things will get all backed up. They'll recirculate and cause a lot of problems.
0: Yeah. That that recirculation is the major thing that we want to prevent. Right. So if you're constipated, which a lot of people are, it's it's interesting. I saw a pattern and when I was in school, I said, all of these girls who are coming in here with hormonal acne on their jaw can't poop. Yeah. And I was like, this is before I even like started really learn- going into it. I said, something's going on here. Yeah. And then like the next class, we learned about that. But, yeah. but it makes sense when you do the analogy that you were speaking about, right? Yeah.
1: When, you, when your microbiome in your gut isn't healthy, then you have the higher ability to release hormones that were packaged up to be pooped out. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend you make an estrogen. You go through phase one. You go through phase two. Now you're getting pushed. Like you're done. You're water soluble. It's time to get excreted. You're, you know, thanks estrogen for your job. It's time to move on now. So it goes moved into the colon, and then if you have a lot of, if you have constipation, and if you have a lot of just general dysbiosis stuff going on down there, then your estrogen that's literally tied in a, in a package with a bow on top gets untied. And released and set free and mm-hmm. you just reabsorb it back into your bloodstream mm-hmm. and so now it gets part of the count again uh, yeah that's going around
0: so now you're tying in the microbiome right the importance of it is yeah. there a name for that microbiome oh it's can- my
1: favorite word in the whole world okay. it's the estrobilome yeah yeah <laughs> and in spanish it's the estrobiloma
0: estrobiloma <laughs> <Is>
1: he- <laughs> yeah yeah see
0: so the so you're yeah. telling me then when your microbiome or your estroboloma yes. is uh, imbalanced, then you have these species that are, that are more readily unpackaging that yes. estrogen and yep. throwing it back into your system. They
1: make an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. Mm-hmm. And beta-glucuronidase is important. We need it for other healthy things. I don't ever want it zero. Yeah. But when it gets out of control, then it will basically open the bow undo the bow, open the package and let estrogen fly free. And when it flies free, it gets reabsorbed instead of getting pooped out.
0: So then do you recommend a poop test also with the Dutch test? I do. I do. Especially
1: when people say I have constipation. I don't go every day. I have a lot of gas and bloating or one or the other. Um, I just feel like when I eat food, it doesn't digest very well. And they have a lot of hormonal dysfunction. I'm like, okay. it's the first thing we start with. It's the yeah. gut. You got to get the sewer line open.
0: Yeah. And the amazing stuff is the stuff we were talking about are the same stuff that also affects your gut yes. microbiome, yeah. right? Those environmental toxins, that yeah. really poor quality food. Yep. So it all ties together. Oh, yep. Just like that bow, it all ties together <laughs> uh, in like an amazing package. way. And um, okay. So then, then when we talk about, because not all women are estrogen dominant. What about yeah. the women who have really high levels of testosterone. What the heck yes. is going on there?
1: Yeah, so the big, big reason for high testosterone, honestly, is high insulin. Mm,
0: so okay. women
1: who, if you've got, if you, you know, women are listening and they're like, "That's," I think that's me, I have, I have acne, I have hair growth in places I don't want, I'm losing the hair on my head. It might be PCOS, it might not. It might just be an insulin testosterone thing, it may have nothing to do with PCOS. Um, but insulin will push on the cells in the ovary that makes testosterone. Mm -hmm. And so now you have all this excess testosterone production. Now you can also make testosterone in the adrenal glands. Women make a significant chunk in the adrenal glands. So you can also have an upregulated stress response, uh, you know, an HPA, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal dysfunction. Mm -hmm. You're pumping out lots of cortisol and you're pumping out lots of testosterone. Mm -hmm. And so then now you have all this excess testosterone and so you're very symptomatic. And then you go down the wrong pathway. You go down what's called the five alpha pathway, the five alpha reductase pathway. Mm-hmm. And it's like a perfect storm.
0: Yeah. Yep. So super stressed. And then, you know, when people are stressed, they eat like crap. Oh,
1: completely. Craving, Comfort sugar food.
0: cravings, right? Yeah. So then you're in this cycle yep. and your five alpha yeah. right? yeah. is having a party. Yeah. Right? Your face is <laughs> having
1: a party. You have the hair growth on your nipples and your belly and your, yeah. and your chin are having a party. Hair yeah. loss.
0: So, so, no no the hair
1: growth you don't want uh, the, yeah, hair yeah, is the, the, the hair growth yeah <laughs> but you are losing hair in your losing head. hair
0: on the head yes so f- folks uh, men and women who are listening this is really important yeah. right like yeah. this is why you need to be evaluated for this yeah um to know and there's
1: other triggers Infl- inflammation is a big one yeah. um having excess adipose tissue already can be a big trigger for mm. that five alpha pathway and so we if we can modify their inflammation through diet lifestyle exercise avoidance of toxins if we can modify their insulin through diet lifestyle exercise sleep avoidance of toxic like you can make a huge impact on that there are supplements yeah. that help but we can absolutely focus on the diet lifestyle exercise sleep part first
0: yeah literally you know i was having a conversation with someone they were like it's funny how we're all going back to like just the basics <laughs> yeah. of like lifestyle yeah. and diet yeah all all form like all all practices all fields like we're all like oh well, well, why don't we talk about sleep this time
1: i mean they won the nobel, Pri- Ooh, nobel prize a couple what years ago for the circadian rhythm oh um, yeah the, huge huge who would have thought circadian rhythm research yeah we've been saying it forever forever as naturopathic doctors yeah, well, but i know
0: yeah. that's how it, it was good it research goes. i mean it was you know but all right still. and then and then the other part of this test which is amazing is the cortisol part that yes. you that you mentioned yeah there are so many people who go Hey doc, can I get my cortisol tested? Mm -hmm. I was like, why don't we just get everything tested, the hormones. (laughs) But this is the, um, is it a urine also or is it a swab?
1: You can do either. So um, cortisol can be tested in saliva. You will get free cortisol. So that's free is what's active and available. That's what binds to receptors and does the things. Um, You can get it in urine. Urine will give you a free or, and it will give you production as well. So how much are you producing and then of that, what's the tiny percent that's free? Because free hormones is a very small percent. Mm-hmm. Um, your hormones are like children. They shouldn't be unattended at any time. So mm-hmm. when you make a hormone, your body puts it on a bus and like drives it through the system. And then only a small amount can get off the bus and bind to the receptor. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that I know, can you even make it in the first place? And then how much of it's free? And then when it comes to cortisol, I want to know also how much is inactive. Because sometimes people are overly deactivating their cortisol to something called cortisone. Mm-hmm. So on a, on a saliva test, they're seeing, I have low cortisol. But what I don't know is, can you not produce it? Or are you deactivating it? Mm-hmm. Or both. Mm-hmm. That worst case scenario is both. They're mm-hmm. real tired. And so by knowing this bigger picture, I can get a lot more specific. Oh, you have a communication issue from the brain down. Mm-hmm. That's why yours is low. Oh, you deactivate let's address that. That's mm-hmm. why it's low. And, and you're right. I can piece it together yeah. much easier. So
0: someone who is super stressed at work, eating like crap, their free cortisol would be very
1: high. Initially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Initially. Yes. It's the fight or flight response, mm-hmm. right? So everything goes up. Adrenaline goes up. Cortisol goes up.
0: Okay. Yep. And then, but they're still producing it, right? They should, yeah. they're, they're producing a lot of cortisol yep. and liberating a lot. Yep. And then how does it become deactivated? What happens there?
1: So over time, two things can happen two well several things happen but two one is when you have a lot of free cortisol we have a feedback loop so when your body is making tons of cortisol it's a checks and balances it goes oh whoa that's a lot of cortisol we're done now thank you and so the brain tells the adrenals not to make any more like whoop slow that down mm-hmm. so your cortisol starts to drop 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 so over time people might say well i used to have high cortisol but now it's low I'm like Over time, it will shift. Mm -hmm. The other thing is if your stress continues, if you keep burning the candle at both ends, if you keep having a lot of stress, either ongoing stress, one stress that's ongoing, or the mini stressors, I call them the and thens, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm pretty sure I got off the movie, the original Charlie, or the uh, Charlie's Angels movie with... um,
0: Drew Barrymore? Yeah,
1: that one. Because there's a scene where they, they're like, and then, and then. Yeah, Yeah, so it's the same though in stressors when you're talking to patients and they're like, oh, I'm, you know, Wednesday, Monday was just stressful, but it, Tuesday was better. Oh, and then Wednesday was really stressful. And then, yeah. and then, and then, and then yeah. or you're getting their history and they're like, well, um, I've never been well since medical school. Mm. And then I sold my house and then I moved to a city and sure. then I started to practice. Everything's and then. Yeah. And what happens is the body goes, enough and thens, no more and thens. And it will start to deactivate to cortisone because it's trying to protect a certain kind of receptor called a mineral corticoid receptor. Mm-hmm. Your mineral corticoid receptors are where aldosterone, which is another hormone, mm-hmm. binds to. And it helps with your salt water balance. Are you know your in, in mm-hmm. a lot of people know it is like am I puffy or not? Am I retaining water or not? Cortisol can bind to those receptors. So to protect them, the body will deactivate. Mm-hmm. So it could be a checks and balances, but I I will often see it on lab work when people go. I have this long history of stress.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have this long history of burning the candle at both ends. I'm like, your body is literally trying to show you on paper, slow down.
0: Yeah, with the, yeah. by producing uh, a lot of the deactivating. De- 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 yeah, form, it'll right? flip,
1: it'll deactivate. You will make it and it will deactivate. You will make it, it's like, it'd be like, you're turning the light on, it'll turn it off. You uh, turn the light on, it'll turn it off.
0: That's a checks Just and balances. And your over body's over like, no, I'm yep. taking over.
1: But what people do is that they drink a lot of caffeine Right. Mm -hmm. And then they'll try to take all these upper supplements and they'll try to push, push, push. And the body's just going to push right back.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Our body's so smart. So
1: smart. We just keep trying to ruin it. <laughs> I
0: know, I know. So so to reiterate that, then the free cortisol is going to go down. It is. But that deactivated form is going to be higher. Higher, And that's how, you know, someone is really, really stressed. Yeah. Yep. What an amazing test. Yep. Like, why isn't every, why isn't this in every endocrinologist's office?
1: Because, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Hard to read? I don't know. Can, it, I mean, can, it's comprehensive. And, yeah. and unfortunately for an endocrinologist, they generally have eight to 10 minutes, right? Yeah. And you really can't go over an entire health history and a six-page hormone test, and a stool test, and a full blood, you know, thyroid panel, in eight to ten minutes. You you need a little longer than that.
0: You mean to tell me there's doctors out there that take more time?
1: I know than eight to ten minutes. I know. Incredible stuff. <laughs> yeah, what a crazy
0: concept. Oh man, like, th- look, every time I like have a patient and the Dutch test sounds uh, is a little kooky to me, I reach out to you because mm-hmm. I'm a VIP. You are VIP. a VIP. Yeah, I got VIP. Doctor G is a VIP. So we go over this. So. <laughs> yeah. I feel like i become an expert from you, mm-hmm. but I still hear your analogies and I'm like, oh yeah, duh, that's so, so much more clear. Mm-hmm. And so then what's the importance then of testing uh, neurotransmitters? Do we d- That's on the test, right? We or do metabolites, that, neurotransmitter metabolites?
1: metabolites. Yeah, so we do the um, dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine metabolites. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, known as uh, HVA and VMA. Mm-hmm. Now they're helpful in the whole like stress adrenal Picture. So mm-hmm. if you have high cortisol and your uh, epinephrine metabolites high, kind of assume like, yep, you're a, you're a 10 out of 10 stressed out mess. Yeah. It's showing up right here. But the other thing it's helpful for is that it, it, it's made using that same um, COMT that estrogen uses. Mm-hmm. So if you have a tough time getting your water through your drain, on the Dutch test, you mm-hmm. will see low methylation. Mm-hmm. If I also see that you have low VMA and low HVA, I'm, it's, it points more in the direction like, oh, you have a, you have an issue here. You have a gene issue. You have a SNP issue. Mm. You're not making the COMT enzyme very Mm. well. And either they've already done genetic testing and I know it, or I might say to them to know for sure, maybe we should, if you want to, we could, we could test this. We could get some genomics done and look.
0: Is there a way that we as practitioners can support that COMT pathway? Lots. Then, if you want to know what the biggest, changes?
1: the biggest, one of the biggest cofactors? Do tell. Magnesium.
0: Magnesium. Magnesium. Go figure. I know. Some as cheap as over the counter mag- magnesium where you Something get it in so many foods.
1: Cheap. Yep. Epsom salt baths, taking magnesium. And so many Americans are de- well, worldwide are deficient in magnesium. So many. Deplete. Yeah. And,
0: and I do the, I do the other neutral valve tests. Yeah. Just nutrient overall as yeah. like a yearly test too for people. Magnesium. Is is always on the red. Yeah. It is so low for people. And it is
1: a huge cofactor for your estrogen detoxification, for this this neurotransmitter, the creating these metabolites. So mm. many things. It does
0: It's a major. So
1: many things. Yeah. Magnesium is the big one.
0: And then there's something called 8oHdG. Yes. What is that?
1: 8-hydroxy, 2-deoxyguanosine. I did the acronym because I never get that one
0: right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I better get it right. Working for the company. I know. It's a big one. It's in a lot, a lot of research, which is why we added it. Um, it's done in urine. But what happens is, is when you have DNA damage, then it creates 8-OHDG and you urinate it out. It's a byproduct of DNA damage. Mm-hmm. So the more DNA damage you have, whether it's from something significant like cancer mm-hmm. or something like toxicant exposure, a chemical exposure, metal exposure, then it can, you'll have a higher number of this 8-O-HDG on testing.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's a
1: concern for us when we see it. Cause I'm like, your DNA is literally screaming for help. It's literally sending out the signal flares. Yeah. And that's 8-O-HDG. Like, yeah. help me, help me.
0: In, like we can intervene with that. Yeah. Yes. We could do it with food, with yep. supplements and yep. uh, retest that. And I've seen it go lower for people, with yeah. even breast cancer patients when they come in. Um, yep. Unfortunately, 80 HDG is really high for these folks. Which a lot, we yeah. Would assume, yeah. Um, but you can make that intervention retest, and, and, and it
1: I down. just like you, I see it. because we um, we have a number of practitioners like yourself who see a lot of oncology, mm. and so they will run the test one to see the estrogen detox, and then two for the 80 HDG, uh, f- some other markers too, like melatonin. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely the before and after when the oncology patients start doing changing their diet, you know, maybe getting in IV, you know, maybe adding in antioxidants Mm -hmm. type supplements or what have you specific for their case. We'll, we will see the number drop, which tells us the DNA is not getting
0: damaged. It's so much,
1: it's a better prognosis. We think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That's the overall picture. We, so we, we talked about the nutrition part, but what about sleep? Does that play a role in hormone in balance? Everything. In literally everything. In
1: literally everything. Yes. I feel like
0: sleep is the root cause for every single disease. I like have I,
1: I was. I did a lecture the other day, and on my very last slide, the very last thing I said was, "If you correct sleep, you'll probably fix." greater than 50% of the problems. Isn't
0: it incredible? Just
1: that one thing. If you just fix sleep
0: and we're both wearing aura rings and I'm not sponsored by we them, not, but we yeah. got to call them up and get them the sponsor. Show, Cause every other person <laughs> who comes here has one on.
1: I know they're the greatest uh, tracker ever. Mine yelled at me this morning. Cause I had to get up to catch a flight to get here to LA. Yeah. I didn't sleep that well. And mine was like, you know, I, yeah, it told me to slow down and take a break today. And
0: it, it, it's so yeah. it, it, like, it's informative. It's yeah. like a health hack for your life. But anyway, back to sleep. Like the importance of restorative sleep it, hormonally th- like is it important to get to bed consistently at yes. the same time yep. deep sleep again it's circadian
1: up. rhythm so you want you want consistency your body works on a rhythm we are some, I heard it from somebody and I feel terrible I forget who it was I would give you credit if I remember who it was they said um, adults are actually just big children mm-hmm. you know like we put we make toddlers and babies follow a circadian rhythm their nap is at this time they go to bed at Seven, you know, they get up at this time and we're very consistent. We train, you know, toddlers and kids or our animals. We get a new puppy. We're trying to train them like, all right, you know, bedtime is this time. And, you know, and this is when you wake up and this is when you go out. Humans, adults are the exact same. We need a consistent bedtime, just like a toddler. You know, like we need we need to get up at a consistent time pretty much every night. And deep sleep men, that's when you make your testosterone.
0: Yeah, and men and women,
1: that. that's when you repair.
0: That's when we repair. That's when
1: you repair. So it's in your deep sleep that you get that restorative sleep. Mm-hmm. It literally erases growth hormone. And I, my uh, growth hormone analogy, it's like scrubbing bubbles. Mm-hmm. So it goes through and it cleans and repairs and, you know, gets rid of the cells that should get be killed mm-hmm. off and, you know, scrubbed to the side. And it like makes you all shiny and pretty for the morning. Yeah. So if you don't wake up feeling shiny and pretty and restored and rejuvenated, then the sleep Sleep is where you start.
0: Yeah, it's so important and yeah. the, and the the whole bringing forward take like sleep hygiene practice yeah. and even the blue blockers yeah. like just Learning what steps you can do, but shutting off at a particular time. Is there a time at night where everyone should be getting to bed? So
1: I've heard every anything between one to two hours. So starting to wind down, in getting off their screens or switching their screens to a more red background, using the blue blockers. Anything mm-hmm. from like an hour to two hours before bed. An
0: hour to two hours. I'd,
1: before bed. I'd say consistently, I hear maybe it's in research they suggest two hours before bed, but I'd say the majority of humans, um, that's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to like be off all screens and start to wind down. If I go to bed at ten at eight o'clock, I'm like really? Yeah, <laughs> like I, I know. What do I now? do now? I know. Which is, this is why I always
0: push in like your own rituals. Like then you do a meditative practice yes. or read or start. Yes. Like that'll be your me time and alone yep. time that's coming forward. Yeah. But are, are you th- are you saying like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock is a good time for people to go to sleep? They say
1: that, the, yeah. So somewhere, yes. Uh, yeah. I'll just say yes, blanketly. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between like 9.30 and 11 is ideal there's, yeah. you know, good research. Any, any amount past really midnight, yeah. um, it's not the same kind of sleep. It's not as restorative You're Tell, not oh, you're as telling
0: me I listen my thing is, is that I get this creative tidal wave that comes at oh, like 11 o'clock yeah and then I I just start you like tap
1: into the source but yeah, I don't you don't know to what go happened. to bed yeah everyone's
0: like quiet <laughs> No source no yeah I'll write music I'll write poems I'll draw I'll paint I'll mm-hmm. do everything like at that time you're like, like a, a toddler doesn't want
1: to go to bed I know
0: <laughs> but I'll get in eight hours or seven hours oh. and then you'll see on the aura ring and the rem sleep is horrible yeah Deep sleep is good, but the REM sleep is horrible. Yeah. So um, I need to take my own advice that I tell people to get get to yeah. bed earlier.
1: Yeah. Um, we all so do. We're not perfect. Yeah. But I'd say, mo- I mean, do it as much as you can most days of the week is what I yeah. is what I what I tell people.
0: And then when we wake up, um, what's is it important to have the sun hitting our face yes. or they're getting oh, in touch yes, with it? Oh yes, my
1: favorite thing, the cortisol yeah. awakening uh-huh. response. We have to support it. Yeah. So. Um, As soon as you wake up, when you open your eyes, your cortisol shoots up. It's not a stress response. It's a normal awakening response. Mm -hmm. It's where the parts of your brain flip from conscious, your eyes are awake, to alert. Mm. And it happens in about the first 30-ish minutes of you waking up. Mm. So for all those people who say, I don't wake up and feel very alert, or it takes me hours to feel alert, as opposed to like, Yeah, in about 20 to 30 minutes, I do feel alert, actually. That's a healthy response. Mm. It's the people who go, okay, I need two cups of coffee, and I have to take a shower, and I have Mm. to get moving, and then eventually on my drive to work, I feel alert. Yeah, You failed your cortisol awakening response. Uh. And the reason the cortisol awakening response exists is to get us up, to switch us to alert, to um, address our blood sugar, because we've been fasting all night long. Mm -hmm. It helps to kill off autoimmune cells that Mm -hmm. are uh, collected in the thymus gland. Mm -hmm. Um, It helps with just energy. It helps our mood. It does all sorts of things. And it's affected 100% by your sleep the night before mm-hmm. and the amount of light you have in the morning.
0: Mm. Those two, two things. things. Two, two factors so that when we control, So people can are like, control, what too. supplement
1: do I do to fix that? I'm like, sleep and sun. Yeah,
0: sleep and sun. <laughs>
1: or full spectrum light.
0: So do you know what I do? I get up, same clothes I've slept in. Mm-hmm. Well, I put on some pants. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I put on some shorts. And I go to the front yard. Uh-huh. I take off my shirt and I'm in the sun for 15 minutes. Yep. There you go and I go right back in. Yeah. This is what I've been doing the past maybe 3 4 weeks making sure that I'm doing consistently. Cuz you listen to worked. me. Of course I listen to you. <laughs> I what you tell me I tell my patients. I right. got it. I got to I got yeah. I got to live the what I preach, right? Yeah. Um I, I live I
1: live in the Northwest. I live in Portland, so um, we don't have the sun like you have here. Mm-hmm. And so you can people a lot of people are like it's snowing right now where I live. How do I do this? So I tell them go on Amazon. I have no affiliation. Start looking up full spectrum light. And and read the comments and buy what might work for you. There's boxes that are portable, so you can have it right here and turn it on. There's the alarm clock that starts to wake, brightens the room. I have several friends who swear by the alarm clock, love it, said it's her favorite thing. My best friend um, has a stand that goes over her laptop, so when she's working... She keeps it on all through the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, everybody wants something different. So yeah. when they're like, what do you recommend? I'm like, it depends what you need. Do you want the yeah. alarm clock? Do you want the box that, that you can just turn on at your desk or on your counter or your kitchen? Yeah. Do you want a stand? What do you want? And so just. But there's some things look.
0: we can do. Cause that was my next question. Is people live all over the country yeah, so who don't do I'm tunnel. like, just,
1: just, you just, and they're really inexpensive. Yeah. You can just, just buy the full spectrum light. It's
0: called a full spectrum full light. Full spectrum light. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now, there are full spectrum light bulbs. So I tell people, if you're going to have a full spectrum light bulb in your bedside, Stand, don't use it at night. Mm -hmm. Right, because if you turn it on at night, like it's gonna, your body's gonna be like, wait, I thought we were going to bed. Yeah, it seems like the sun is out. Yeah. The other thing is just going outside. So even though it's not very sunny where I am, it's still gray days. Like just getting fresh air for one, and just getting that natural brightness, the natural light, even on a gray day, is really Mm -hmm. helpful. And
0: getting your feet on the ground.
1: And getting your feet on the ground. I will often not always depends how hard it's raining um i will get up put my hair in a bun and take my dog for a walk
0: that's amazing and
1: i notice a huge difference even when i don't want to even when i'm still tired even when i'm like really dog can we just sleep in a little bit
0: that movement is everything just
1: 10 minutes around the block i instantly feel a million times better and it lasts all day for me yeah and it's really motivating and it helps that my dog is really demanding so yeah i always say I the first i
0: always say the first hour I, and i seen your dog it's a very cute dog
1: very cute i remember you showing the picture
0: mm-hmm. hank the first hour of waking up is sort of sets the tone for the whole day the
1: whole day and i used to hear that crap <laughs> and i'm like
0: yeah yeah whatever
1: you yeah. know i get it together i'm pretty organized yeah. like you know i'm type a it's no joke it's no joke. when, when mentally, i mentally, set physically. my day in the first hour of my day when i get it right when i get outside walk my dog when i work out when I drink my lemon water, you know, when I write in my journal, like I'm Everything. so much better the whole rest of the day. I'm like, ah.
0: this is why fine. I talk about rituals. <laughs> These are rituals, right? Yeah. Like we have our own rituals and they all look different. Yeah. But I, what I'm trying to do is have people set a standard for their day. Yep. Um, okay. Before we finish, I didn't even touch on this. You you speak about dim, And I wanted to like, oh, yeah, dim. we see we yes. almost, because there's a lot of like, you can go on uh, Instagram or any, any, any social media and, and there's a lot of like this push. I, I, I love DIM. Yeah. But there's yeah. a push for DIM saying hormone issues,
1: take, take DIM. DIM. Yep. Take DIM.
0: What is the, the caveat here that you, you speak about?
1: Absolutely. So DIM is diandolmethane. And so it, um, when you eat broccoli, kale, cauliflower, mustard greens, when you, when you chew it up, it releases I3C, indol 3 carbonyl. I3C has to hit your acid in your stomach and it breaks apart into a lot of things, one of which is DIM, diandolmethane. What DIM does is it upregulates CYP1A1, which is the path, the road in your analogy, that increases the two pathway. Mm -hmm. So the less carcinogenic. It's the Mm -hmm. pathway most people want to go down. So when you eat those foods, you know, and you you, um, get it naturally, Mm -hmm. but you can take it as a supplement. Now, the hard part is um, CYP1A1 upregulates lots of things, not just estrogen. So if you're upregulating that, it can also accidentally upregulate bad things like polyaromatic hydrocarbons, mm-hmm. PAHs. Mm-hmm. So if you have a lot of PAH exposure and you're taking DIM, you may be helping your estrogen, but you're actually hurting potentially your PAH form, attic formation, mm-hmm. which damage DNA. DNA yeah.
0: You
1: have to be careful. The other thing is if you're just giving DIM, it means you're just turning the water on your clawfoot bathtub oh. higher. But if you haven't addressed the drain and you haven't addressed the sewer line, you're still going to get a backup. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women will say, I took DIM and feel great. I'm feeling so much better. And then they'll go, okay, I'm not. It worked for a while and it stopped. What Mm -hmm. went wrong? Or it worked for a while and now I'm having these other symptoms.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You have to address the sewer line and the drain.
0: The CLNT's got to work well. They got to be pooping all the time. Absolutely.
1: absolutely. And you can do it all at once. People will say, well, can I take magnesium? Can I take DIM? Can I... Can I do good, like, prebiotics and fiber? Yes. Yeah, totally. You can do all three at once. But if money's an issue or, you know, you want to be, you want to just focus on one at a time, focus on the gut first, then work on the drain, C-O-M-T, and then work. Work and you might not even need DIM anymore by the mm-hmm. time you fix the gut and you're pooping, exactly, and, and the inflammation's down and your microbiome, your astrobilome is happy. Yeah, you may not need anything, you may not need magnesium, you yeah. might not need DIM,
0: yeah, nothing. And, and, and the and the pHs are coming from what like overcooked food like the, the like polyametic fr-
1: hydrocarbon and that will actually upregulate your cyps in general so mm-hmm. the barbecued meats the burnt yeah. meats mm-hmm. um this yeah is what i tell
0: people if you're eating charred meat
1: yeah if you like it well done burnt. yeah
0: exactly it's a problem barbecue is a problem if yeah. you're having <sighs> it all He's the so time good, though. <laughs> i remember those days uh yeah we gotta we yeah, have well, to actually, but
1: yeah that's true i was gonna say it's not anything because people barbecue vegetables but it's
0: but i don't it's, think it's the same it's different as as that. uh chard yeah. yeah it's a different charred. yeah um Wow. Shoot. That was dense. And, and uh, like, we
1: <laughs> I, we
0: had the pleasure of like literally having you in front of us. And like, this is what people get when there's like hundreds and hundreds of people listening to you. Mm-hmm. We got it intimately yeah. over here in Santa yeah. Monica and right on this microphone. So before we go, what are Ooh. three, uh, simple interventions that people can do to ensure or practice better hormone health
1: oh this well we, we've hit on it so I'll, my top two things i say uppers in the morning on waking downers at night and i mean that in a legal way mm-hmm. so uppers mm-hmm. in the morning sunshine as soon as you wake up so if you're going to affect your cortisol awakening response whatever you do has to be in the first 30 minutes mm-hmm. so let's say someone listening to you has been told by their doctor to take their supplements in the morning what does everyone do they get up they shower they get ready they get their family out the door they get out the door and then they take their supplements still the morning Mm. it doesn't impact your cortisol awakening response i don't think so i tell people when you get up take your supplements right away take Mm -hmm. them within 30 minutes Mm -hmm. get some sunshine get a little bit of movement within 30 minutes to really impact your cortisol awakening response and then at night you're going to do the reverse you're going to do the darkness stuff so lights dimmed off your screen using the blue light blockers Mm -hmm. just getting that circadian rhythm will affect your cortisol rhythm your melatonin rhythm and that sets all of your rhythms so women think your reproductive rhythm, right? Women work in a cycle. It's, it does, if you're not sleeping and your and you're, uh, light dark is all off, it will 100% affect how you ovulate, how you make progesterone, how you balance estrogen, it's. I mean, perfect. It's, it's all. What, it's all right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And your yeah. favorite food was broccoli sprouts. You said.
1: Well, my favorite food for hormones is, hormones. Bro- is broccoli sprouts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My favorite food for hormones. Is broccoli sprouts. No, I don't have a green thumb at all, so I take broccoli sprouts as a supplement.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
1: kill. Sometimes cactus too, so okay. I have to be That's really like careful. Hey. <laughs> and it's then, not my forte. Okay, hormones are my forte. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then, oh, I want to ask you about exercise really quick.
1: Oh yeah. The importance yes.
0: of for hormone balancing. Over exercising, under exercising.
1: But um, uh, but you can you will um, you can mess yourself up either way, right? So if you are under, if you're not exercising, yeah. And you start exercising, you will probably feel better. Mm-hmm. It will be really good for your hormones. Just be careful. Don't go from not exercising to, like, weekend warrior, run a marathon, yeah. or, like, join yeah. a, an elite CrossFit gym. Just yeah. be careful. Now, if you are the ultimate marathoner or the elite CrossFitter and you have a lot of hormone issues, it's probably too much for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying stop it completely, per se, but maybe cut back. Maybe add in more walking, um, more yoga, more lighter, um, less stressful, less impactful things. Mm-hmm. I had I tell this story a lot. I had a patient who was in... Um, a chronic marathoner, god bless her. Like that's what she liked to do on weekends is run half or full marathons and she couldn't figure out why she couldn't get pregnant. Yeah. Very healthy otherwise. You know, her partner sperm, no problem, but she was an ultimate marathoner every weekend. And I was like, "You are always running from the tiger, even though you enjoy it. It's a stress release for you. It's community. I get that." You can't get pregnant because of it. Mm-hmm. The minute she stopped, she was pregnant within a couple months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that that story on yeah. a podcast you said. And, yeah. and it's incredible. So let's pay close attention. If we're yeah. over-exercising, we're, what our hormones look like, yep. hook up with a naturopathic doctor or functional doctor. Absolutely. They can do this test for you. Yeah, um,
1: And evaluate. They'll evaluate your food. They'll yeah. evaluate your exercise. See They'll the big evaluate. picture. Exactly. And it's sometimes hard if... If like the, for her, a marathon was, was her thing. Yeah. Crossfitters, right? Like, I don't I'm not picking on Crossfitters, but it's their thing, and mm-hmm. it's great community. Mm-hmm. And when I come in and I'm like, "Look, your hormones are a mess, your cortisol is actually really high, it's not doing you any good to go four or five days a week. Why don't we cut back? It's like devastating to it them. It really is. And I get that. I like, it's a community, and but it's at the it's at the expense of their hormones and so i'm like well maybe go to the gym and just walk around stretch or do like the bike do like the bike for a little bit yeah
0: like just dial it it down just tell your coach
1: you need to you need to be at 50 percent for a while
0: yoga is wonderful too yoga is wonderful too let's let's start doing that for stress and those hormones relaxing so yeah Thank you, Dr. Carrie Jones. <laughs> you are a trailblazer. You you lit this whole set on fire. I'm so happy <laughs> that you came on. We got you from Thanks, Portland. How are people finding you?
1: Uh Instagram. I hang out on with you on Instagram. Mm-hmm, yep. So mm-hmm. at DR Carrie, or DR dot Okay. Yep. Uh
0: and do you have a website or um
1: I, all my stuff is through Dutch, so through Dutch. dutchtest.com. I do have a website, which is Dr Dr. com, but okay. it links. There's some stuff about me on there and then it links back to Dutch. When are
0: you gonna write a book? That's what I need to know.
1: I, would, I have some really good ideas for a book. Okay. So I'm just, give me, give me some time. Give me a little give me, time. Give me some space, give me okay. some
0: time. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, she, she's she's gonna flex <laughs> on you with this book. It's coming, it's on its way. Yes. Thank you, Dr. John.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me. All
0: right. Didn't I tell you that was gonna be such a good show? I'm so happy that we got to talk about hormones. I, I purposely waited so we can talk about hormones. Dr. Jones was amazing. Stay tuned for the next episode. We're gonna be on fire too. Rate, review, subscribe. Thank you so much for supporting Heal yourself Health. I love you all.